So good evening, LCM. Tonight is October 30th, 2019. The title of tonight's message is Nothing Else Matters. Nothing Else Matters. Last Wednesday, we heard from Pastor Buddy, Pastor Matt, and Pastor Wade, signed, sealed, and delivered. We talked about the 12 gates, right? Going through those 12 gates, we talked about having them as stones. I want you all to repeat after me as we go through these. I am a son. I am a, a co-heir. I, I am seated in the heavenly realms. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am full in Christ. I am clothed with Christ. I am a participator in the divine nature. I am strengthened with all power. I am the ambassador of God. I am the dwelling place of God. I am a royal, a holy and royal priest. And I am God's inheritance. Man, that's awesome, isn't it? None of that is true if we don't have God's heart. None of those I am's is true if we don't have God's heart in the matter. That is what the pastors were impressing upon us. And this has cut our heart, and so we're going to double down on it tonight. So, if you all turn with me, please, to Leviticus 26. All those declarations are supposed to be a starting point. God declares that on us, but that's a charge for us to do something with it. That's a charge for us to cut everything that's not God from our heart. We cannot be any of them if we have something else besides God in our heart. So let's start in verse 1. Do not make idols or set up an image or sacred stone for yourself. And do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Pretty simple, isn't it? Let's go to verse 3. If you follow my decrees, decrees and are careful to obey my commands. Verse 6. I will grant peace in the land. And you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove savage beasts from your land, and the sword will not pass through your country. Verse 8. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase a thousand. And your enemies will fall by the sword before you. It's all promises that God gives us. If we do not make idols or set up images or sacred stone for yourself. It is very, very easy to have things in our heart. And we're here to show you through the world that even if we don't see them as gods, eventually they will become gods and we will worship them. God says... Love your God with all your heart. Please say all after me. 
is there a place for something else when we give all? Simple. Deuteronomy 13. We're gonna we're gonna summarize Deuteronomy 13 for you. It talks to us about someone who gets uh, a word from the Lord, someone who performs miraculous signs. That if what they say comes about, but they tell you to follow another god, that that person is to be stoned. That person should be cut off from your life. If a teacher, a pastor, were to tell you something that doesn't align with the word, it's outside of it, they need to be cut off. If a family member tells you something or is leading you astray, that person is to be cut off. If a friend or a neighbor, someone within the community, is leading you astray, that person is to be cut off. See, what it looks like sometimes, these idols in our life could be people that we look up to, right? Not just the I-D-L-E idol, but someone that we're actually looking up to for encouragement. We're looking up to for direction. We're, they're our relative. They're close to us. We don't want to hurt them. They've led us in the past. But if they're going astray and we're following in that way, how, it's the blind leading the blind. That person is to be cut off. The law says that they are to be stoned. The law says that the town is to be completely destroyed and to never be occupied again, to be a ruin. So what does that look like in our life? You cannot come down from the standard. You must stay at the standard. You can call those people up to you, but they're to be cut off from your life as far as you going down to that standard any longer. Cut that idol off. Verse 11 in Leviticus 26 says, I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. Verse 19 says, I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. Those are nice promises. If we put him at first place and only place in our heart. Verse 21 says what happens if we don't. If you remain hostile towards me and refuse to listen to me, I will multiply your afflictions seven times over as your sins deserve. He clearly says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is one. And you are to love your God with all your heart. Notice that we cherry-picked some verses in there, right? We kind of jumped around. The, the first half of, of that chapter starts off with blessings. Then it moves to the curses. It talks about, if you do this, then this. There, it's a contingency about where our heart is. It's not a matter so much of, yes, the Lord said it, but rather how we're walking it out. Like, like these promises, like these gates of who we are. We still have to live up to it and walk it out. The promises that the Lord has given us is not something for us to idolize. It's not something for us to 
place up that once we get to that, now we can stop. No, that's, that's just the start, as my brother is saying. That's just the start for us to press on all the more. So we see the blessings and we see the curses. Deuteronomy 28. In Deuteronomy 28, you don't have to turn there, you can't turn there. You can check us out. Hmm. Out of 68 verses, only 14 of them speaks about blessings for obedience. All of the rest, which is 54, is talking about what happens if we don't. We must obey God. We must obey God. His number one com- commandment is love thy God with all of your heart. There is no place for nothing else in all of your heart. He knows the condition of our heart. That's what we're getting at tonight. He knows the condition. He knows that we're prone to turn back to the things that we have gone to before. He knows that we're prone to. It's why he harps on, if you're disobedient, this is what will happen. He's making that same promise in the, in the same token of, if you do what is right, this is how I will bless you. And they're beautiful blessings, and we love them, and we claim them, but we forget about what happens when we're disobedient, what happens when we are shrinking back, what happens when we're not immediately doing what God has told us to do. Go to Genesis 1, verse 26. I'm going to read this from the NASB. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. If we're made in his image, if we're made in his likeness, but we choose to go after the things of our heart, we're, we're, we're clinging to those things rather than what, how he's made us, we're perverting that image. We're going out and we're claiming that we're Christians, we're claiming that we walk with the Lord, but yet the image that we've been created in is not what we're reflecting. One of those gates was we're ambassadors of God, isn't it? Yeah, so if we are not representing him, whose ambassadors are we? Um, we've been reading from Deuteronomy, Genesis. You all might think that, yeah, that, that's talking about stiff-necked Israelis like myself. <laughs> Please go to Luke twelve thirty-four. It is very short, very pashat kind of way. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, where is our treasures? Where are we seeking to accumulate those treasures? Are we seeking to accumulate those treasures in heavens with our good deeds? Or are we seeking to accumulate those treasures in our banks? Are we seeking to, uh, sen- for a sense of security in a savings account? Are we seeking for a se- se- for, uh, sense of security 
in a retirement fund. Well, Abraham was 100 years old and God still took care of him. How many of you are 100? Not even Charlie. But he still takes care of you, isn't he? We have to take our sense of security in God and God alone. There is no way that we will be able to drop everything that we do, that we think that we are, and go after him, and go after his calling for our lives without us practicing and putting it to practice. To learn that he will take care of all of our needs with his riches and glories. Y'all turn with us to Exodus 32, verse 1. Nothing else matters. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Hey, wait a second. You're talking about my people here. (laughs) Didn't we just make a commitment uh, a few days earlier than that to fully be devoted to the Lord? You said we will do everything the Lord tells us. Everything that you command, we will do. Yeah, that's what it says. That is what it says. In verse 25, it says, Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. You know, when I read that verse, there's a single word in there that keeps coming to my mind and that word pops up again in Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. It's the same word. Cast off restraints is para. The people here that are running wild is the same word. It's para. By being disobedient, they cut themselves off from the vision. They cut themselves off from the protection. They cut themselves off from every character of God that he wanted to install in them. In Amos 3.7 it says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Well, how can you have a sense of security if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a godly aim that you're running after? You go ahead and make yourself your own gods to walk before you. That's what my people did. Make the connection between the verses that we started off with. We started off with the blessings. We started off with this is what will happen if you don't walk in this way. If you walk in disobedience. And how quickly their hearts turned. Did their hearts actually turn or were they already idolatrous? Were they not constantly crying out after they seen time and time again what the Lord did? Were they not constantly crying out, where's the water, Lord? Where's the bread, Lord? Where's the meat, Lord? Did you just bring us out into this desert to die? Lord, what about all these promises? What about the promised land? 
Do we not do that ourselves? Does our own heart not immediately turn back and we get out of control and we lose restraint? Why? Because we don't have revelation. But the Lord is giving us revelation. The signs sealed and delivered, the 12 foundations, these core principles. We're like, Lord, this is getting better and better every time. How do you keep doing this again and again? But yet, if our heart isn't inclined to fear him, if our heart isn't being changed, and we're just grasping these things in our mind, our heart remains idolatrous. When time goes on, we lose our patience, we cast off restraint, we are uh, running wild and out of control. It shows, it says right here, they become a laughing stock to their enemies. What does that do? When, I mean, it basically is like the enemy sees that we're walking with the Lord, he's got a bullseye on our back. But as soon as we cast off restraint, we lose the revelation, we lose the vision from the Lord, we're a laughing stock. I don't even have to mess with him anymore. I don't have to worry about that one. He's doing it to himself. See, as it progresses here in uh, Exodus 32, you see a clear pattern. They were fearful. Their fear led them away from God. God did not give us a spirit of fear. That fear led them to sin, make their own God, their own idol. As my brother will soon read, you will see what that progression leads to. So picking up in verse 26. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap on a sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you are against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. Wait a second, you want to tell me that sin leads to death? It absolutely does. Fear leads to sin, which leads to death. We've seen in Leviticus what you're supposed to do with those that are leading you astray. With, with the, someone who is getting revelation from the Lord, someone who's performing miracles, it, it, it goes on to say your brother, your daughter, your wife, your close friend. It's saying the same thing right here. Moses tells them the same thing. Go throughout the camp. And they already had it set in their heart. Because as soon as he said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me, they rallied to him. Amen. Their hearts were not inclined to their own their, their own uh, wanting and whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. Their hearts was already inclined to fear the Lord. Yeah. It's why he set them apart. Their hearts weren't focused on the promises, but rather pleasing the Lord. Think about how hard that would be to go about a camp, killing your family, killing your friends. 3,000 died that day. And that was just from them going and striking each other. The Lord also put a plague on them as well. The people's heart was already idolatrous. It was divided. You see, there's no scale. There's no ranking system. It's not, I have Elohim, the God of Israel, as my number one God. Then I've got sports. 
then I've got my job, then I've got whatever else, fill in the blank. There's one. There's one God. There's room for one. If there is something else, it is going to creep up and become your number one. And God is not your God any longer. And the thing is, our hearts are prone to the things of the world. They're prone to them. That's why in Jeremiah 17 it says your heart is deceitful above all, right? We need our brothers. We need words from our pastors. God, I can't tell you how important it was this week to get a right word from my pastor that even though I was going and I thought I was going the right direction, it was this, I was still perverted. It was still off track. I was deviated. And he corrected me and put me on track with a right word that reminded me that, I already have it. It's already there. I don't need to do something new. I don't need to try to recreate. I don't need to get out of control and cast off restraint. You see, God does take care of all of our needs with his riches and glories. But we sometimes get confused between needs and wants. What we need... He gives it to us. He already gave it to us. We just have to work it out. All those things that gives us a sense of security will turn into our idols. Haggai 1.6 Please turn there and say one when you're there. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. God gives us our needs. When, our, when we're cold, he gives us clothes that warms us. When we need money, he loans it to us. But when he calls us out and says, go to Indonesia, if he, if he would have said to Brent, go to Indonesia, and Brent would tell, would tell him, okay, God, but first I'm going to save up this and this amount of money, and then I will go when I think I'm ready. Would you think that God will bless that? But that act of obedience, of not thinking that you had enough, not I'm sure that uh, his family told him, you're crazy, you don't have enough, you don't have this, you don't have that. I'm sure of that. But him stepping up and going and doing what God told him to do, that is how we seek our treasures in heaven. That treasures will never be put in a purse with holes in it. Never. Because they're ours forever. In Isaiah 46, 6, if you can please turn there and say one when you're there. One. 
Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god, and they bow down and worship it. There's a progression. Even if we don't think, even if we think that, yeah, it's fellowship, we're going to sit together and uh, watch the Super Bowl together, we're with friends, you know, we'll watch the NBA Finals, we're with friends and all that. Is that really fellowship? Or is it wasting your time? We have, uh, I don't know, we need to own a house. Is it what we really need? Did God tell you that? Did you even ask him? See, all those things will eventually turn into your God. How many of us, me included, have saw the promises that God gave us come to life and be fulfilled and we idolize them? For me, when I started idolizing those glorious, glorious gifts that God gave me, my four kids, my wife, very easily I began to compromise. Very easily I thought I know what they need. In the beginning it was, yes, God, Please show me. But then, you know, I'm over 30 years old. I'm a grown man. I know what they need. I'm their dad. No. He's their dad. He's the one that knows what they need. It's my foolishness. My foolishness led me to think that I know what they need. And when I think I know... That's when I cut myself off from the vision. Some of you we've talked, I've talked to more deeply. Some of you I haven't, but you all know that I didn't come here in a very good state, you know. But what I want to tell you today is that God is good. Amen. There's always hope. As long as we cut everything from our hearts and as long as we leave room for one. We have, according to the world, we have the most stupid scale of ranking because we only have one place. There is no second place. You know, in sports, they always say nobody remembers second place. So we shouldn't have a place for him. Yeah, see, where, where this word culminated for me was uh, about middle of last week, driving home, listening to signs sealed, delivered. Before I talk about that, I'm seeing promise. My brother's waiting for promises to still be fulfilled in his life. I'm seeing promises being fulfilled in my life. I'm seeing the increase. Physically, spiritually, I'm seeing the increase in my life. I'm watching my family come here. 
I'm hearing week after week, oh man, the Rosales clan just keeps growing. It's true. I'm, I'm watching them also increase themselves in their level of discipleship from my parents down to my youngest brother. I'm getting job offers. I'm getting promotions. I'm getting this prestige put upon me from the world. All this kind of coming together. And as I'm listening to signs sealed and delivered, I'm saying to myself, I know this already. I've heard I've had this written on my mirror. Oh, after about Coair, which is the second one, I'm like, oh yeah. These are the, the 12 I am statements. I know this. I didn't realize how hard my heart was. I didn't realize that because I was seeing these promises happening, I'm taking my foot off the gas. I'm, I'm leaning back. I didn't know what apathy was. Truly, didn't know what apathy was until last week. It set in hard. And I'm thinking, to, I have no emotion. I'm numb. I'm, I'm, I can feel my heart getting, uh, it, it's like it's uncircumcised. In the Hebrew, it, it denotes that having an uncircumcised heart is that God's word, his precepts can't penetrate your heart. That's what it means to have a hard, uncircumcised heart. His word cannot penetrate it. And that's what was happening to me. And so I'm reading, I'm listening, uh, I was listening as I'm driving to Isaiah 55. And the Lord says, I will make a covenant with you. And so that's what I cry out, Lord, make a covenant with me. Make a covenant with me, Lord. And, I, and I'm crying. I can feel it. It's, 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 it's starting to hurt me. And, and I'm like, yeah, I need to make a covenant. I need, I, that's what I need to do. I need to, I need to get serious about something. So I go to Pastor Matt and I share it with him. And he's like, the covenant's already made. The promises are already made. Didn't you listen to signs sealed and delivered? Yes, I did. You need to walk in it. See, Colossians 2.20 says, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining, in restraining sensual indulgence. I, need, I needed to get these things cut off of how, how I thought that I can walk in a certain way and that it was going to be okay. These promises happen, and it's okay, and I can just continue to walk in that way. And the Lord was showing me how, no, I can't, I can't just say, Lord, let me make a new covenant with you. It's walk in the things that you've already attained and continue to strain forward in it. How many of us claim to have died with Christ? How many of us actually measure ourselves the way the Bible, the way... Paul says that we need to measure ourselves. When he said, I don't care about how people judge me. I don't even judge myself. 
Only God judges me. How does God do it? How many of us assess our lives only according to the world? How many of us actually are not looking for another brother to assess where they are? How many of us actually are not looking for a co-worker that is a little bit more skilled, a little bit underskilled, never mind, to assess where we are? How many of us are not looking at the possessions of their neighbor to assess where they stand in life? We all claim to have died with Christ. All those ways of measuring ourselves have to die too. The world is the only way that we are allowed to measure ourselves. Every single day, every single minute, we need to assess ourselves according to what the, the world says the standard is and where our heart is and God will tell us how to make up the distance. Please turn with me to John twelve twenty five. Say one when you're there. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. See? Will lose it. It's not a suggestion. You will lose it. If you have something that you love more besides in front of God, actually, the Hebrew says, you will not put any other God in front of me. It actually says, you will not put any other God in my face. Because God will stomp it. With you or alongside you or actually before you. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I want to have a faith like Abraham that cares for nothing when God tells him to go out and Leave his mother, his father, his possessions, his family, everything behind. And just start going. Where should I go? I will tell you when you get there. I want a faith like Abraham that after a hundred years of praying for a son, to tell him, take your son, go sacrifice him in my name. Where should I go? Go to the land of Moriah. I will show you where to go. Just, just go. I want that kind of faith. I want my family to want this kind of faith. Whoever serves me must follow me. Can you remind me where did Jesus speak his disciples from? What did they do? Fishermen, tax collectors, whatever. They had a job, didn't they? What did they do when he called them out? So wait a second. They went on a three-year journey, not knowing how long it's going to take, not having a job to support themselves? How logical is that? Did they lack anything? Why can't we have that kind of faith? Of course we will. 
if we assessed our life only according to the world. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Do we only serve God? Do we only serve Jesus? Do we ask him before everything that we do? Do we ask him before every communication with a brother, with somebody that's in front of us? Do we ask for his word? He said that his word will never return in vain. Doesn't mean that everything that comes out of our mouth will not return in vain. How important it is to follow Christ's example until death. It's the most important thing. It's the only thing that's important. And we have examples of men who followed Christ unto death. Who died in the worst ways, right? Some of them recorded, some not. John the Baptist was beheaded in prison. Never got to see what Jesus continued to do. What the apostles continued to do. He did what he was called to do. He sent his own disciples to go ask Jesus, Are, are you the Messiah? Are, are you the one? Did I, did I run my race right? Was it in vain? And he was beheaded in prison. Y'all turn with me to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. And say one when you get there. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. All the way up until the end. These souls are waiting for the resurrection. They've been beheaded for the testimony of Christ. They did not give their heart over to idolatry. They did not worship the beast or its image. And they came to life to rule with Christ for a thousand years. See, that's what we're talking about. Because when you think about, oh yeah, I'm casting these things off, I'm casting this off, I'm casting off the the wants of the world. Are you willing to go into death? Are you willing to go unto the worst death? This was, this was a question that was posed to me. And, and it's, it's easy to say yes. It, it's a whole other thing to be confronted with it and to lose your head for it. Uh, there's another question. Are we willing to be ridiculed by the world? Are we willing to have our brothers and sisters, I'm not talking about in the faith, I'm talking about actual blood brothers and sisters telling us that you're insane? Are we willing to have those people call child protective services on us because they saw us spank our kids? Are we willing to do it? We should. It's not just the martyrdom being beheaded for Christ and all that. That's the grand thing. Some of us might die like that. Some of us might not. 
The question is, how, did we, how do we live our lives? Do we seek God's glory in every minute, in every conversation, in every word that we say? Do we seek Him? Do we seek His advice before we go out and buy something? Do we seek His advice before we go out and apply for a job? Do we seek His advice before every single thing that we do? Because that's what it means that our scale has only one place. Y'all turn to Luke 22, verse 35. You got it. I want to share with you a little something before that. For me, it's not just the physical things that God takes care of. I had... Like I shared before, I had promises being fulfilled. And as a fool, I stomped all over them. Messed it all up. But God is so good that He wants to restore things. He wants to restore everything back to His image. We are talking a lot about the physical things, but it's not just that. For me, a few months ago, God really touched a point. I had this motion that I need to get right with him in order to get my family back. Yeah, that's true. But you know what's more true? I need to get right with him in order to get right with him. And in order to do that, the one point that he kept and keeps telling me is seek the kingdom first and the rest will be given to you. In Luke 22, 35, it's after the disciples came back and Jesus asked them, when I sent you without a purse, bag, sandals, very logical, isn't it? Did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. They didn't have sandals, a spare set of sandals. They didn't have a spare set of clothes. They didn't know where they're going to sleep. But they lacked nothing. Because they were obedient. When we are obedient, we lack nothing physical or spiritual to achieve the goal that God puts in front of us. That goal is uh, something personal, but something also very general. It says so in uh, Deuteronomy 30. What is that goal? Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. 
nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart so that you may obey it. This is how we incline our heart back to the Lord. We obey his commands. We don't have to say, Lord, where do we have to go to get it? He's been giving it to us. His word has been coming forth week after week. We're speaking it out, but are we living it out? Are our actions showing that this is really what's within us, that this is really what's in our heart? Deuteronomy 5 says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Again, we're going back. You should, ha- you should have no other gods before me. If the Lord brought you up out of it, why would we turn back? By the way, before me is in my face. You have no other gods in my face. We need to be done with it. Can you all turn with me to Ezekiel 11, verse 18, and say one when you're there? They will return to it and remove all, somebody say all, All. its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. But first, we need to remove all, somebody say all. all, all of the vile images and detestable idols. I will remove from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be grateful, be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. But the condition is first to remove all of its vile images and detestable idols from our hearts. We cannot be his actual son, and worship something else. Isaiah clearly says it. You might not worship it now, but eventually you will. Eventually it will become your idol. If you can turn to Ezekiel 36, verse 26, and say one when you're there. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. See? Stone, idols, all that things. God will remove. There is no place for him and stone idols. No place. And I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That is, what, that is what he's talking about in Deuteronomy 30. His laws are not hard. His laws are not far. All you have to do is actually 
love him with all. Somebody say all. All All of your heart. And all of your might. And all of your strength. That's all. That's all that you're required to do. And the rest will be given to you. When we go to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 4, turn there and say one when you're there. One of the main reasons that we don't have any place for nothing else in our heart, because we just read it twice, it's not our heart no more. He took our detestable heart crushed it and put his heart in us. Amen. How dare we defoul it with other gods? When we get that new heart, when we have a heart of flesh that is able to receive from the Lord, when we have his spirit in us, it empowers us to do these things that we see in 2 Corinthians 6. To live in such a way that we can feel the, the harsh distinction between the world and between where the Lord is taking us. And we're no longer concerned. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love. In truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is what we're striving toward. This is what we're looking for. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. Having nothing of this world and yet possessing everything that the kingdom has for us, that our God has given us. We're reading in Ezekiel why we need a new heart, why we need His Spirit so that we can actually walk in these things. Philippians 3.10 talks about, not that we've already attained all this, right? But we strain on toward that goal. We strain on toward the goal that God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. We need to continue to press on toward it. Don't let promises being fulfilled be an excuse for you to take your foot off the gas. Don't let promises not being fulfilled be an excuse to take your foot off the gas. Don't look around and say, yeah, my brother's getting it right now. Lord, what about me? Maybe I should just go off and make a God for myself. Maybe I should just go and make this happen for myself. I'll do it my way. No, 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 no. If we have this motion of seeking God when we need something or when we think we need something, because we already established we don't know what we need. It is not it is not right. How is how does it bring glory to the only God that is our maker? How does it bring glory to the only God that 
promises us, be obedient to me, and I will give you eternal life. How does it bring glory to God when we only seek Him when we want something? He says, always rejoice in Him. Always. Because He gives us everything. He gives us everything that we need. We don't actually lack something. When we're obedient to Him, we're not lacking anything. See, I, I thought I need to get right with Him to get my family back. Wrong again. God wants us to love Him with all of our hearts. He's not going to make us do it. We need to desire it. When we have that desire, it shows. When we have that desire, Matthew 5.16 comes to life. Let me remind you that. Let your light shine before men so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That only comes up if we actually desire Him. When we begin to live like we just read in Second Corinthians, we'll, we'll see what we see in Acts 2.42. Y'all turn there with us and say one when you get there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Wait a second. They, they, they actually listened to what their pastors told them? <laughs> they actually remembered it two days after? <laughs> yeah. They were in awe at the signs and wonders performed by the apostles, but the apostles didn't lead them to another God. They didn't lead them to go serve another God. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And they must have had a saving account somewhere. <laughs> Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, you have nothing yet possessing everything. You're giving and letting go of things so that nobody else is in lack. This is what we're talking about. When we say that we want to see an Acts 2 type church, we want to be that first century type church, we're supposed to be more than that. We're supposed to, it's supposed to be increasing more than what we've seen. That, that was the example that, that we're supposed to go off of. Aren't we supposed to increase? We're fighting so hard just to get back there. What we're encouraging you tonight, see, this word has been coming forth week after week. The same word, it's been leading to this. And this is coming from a Jew and a Gentile who got the same word. And we're working together to tell you, Amen. this is supposed to be every heart that is supposed to be being turned. Not just two hearts, not just a few hearts here and there. Everybody came together. And they had everything in common. 
what are you holding on to? What is it that, that your heart is still clinging to? See, maybe our eyes can't see it, but God does. We've made it very clear from the beginning. He said, when you do this, when this happens, this is what's going to happen. From the very beginning, he called it out. He knows how our heart is, and it's why he warns us. It's why he warns our soul. It's why he is encouraging us on. It's why he's speaking this word tonight to us. To deal with your heart now. Y'all turn with us to Deuteronomy chapter 6. One. 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 These are the commands, decrees, and laws the, law, the Lord your God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Before we continue, the first charge that was given to the Israelites when they crossed the Jordan, before they assigned lots, before everything, go around the land in unity, the whole Israelite, and crush every other idol. God will not dwell in a place where there's other idols. So as we continue, I will do this in Hebrew. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloecha, bekol avavcha, uvchol nafshecha, uvchol meodecha. Ve'ayu adevarim ha'ele, asher anechim et zavrcha ayom, ata ve'bincha, ve'ben bincha kol yamecha, ve'leman ya'arichun yamecha, ve'shma'ata Yisrael ve'shamarta la'asot et asher itav lecha, ואשר תרבון מאוד, כאשר דיבר אדוני אלוהי אבותיך, לך ארץ זבת חלב ודבש. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land, flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all, somebody say all, all. your heart. And with all, somebody say all. all, with all your soul. And with all, somebody say all, all. your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. It's not about us. We think it's about us. We're selfish. We need to cut it off. It's an idol. It's about how our children can take what we have, increase and build on that, and go even further. And their children, and so on, and so on. That's how the kingdom is advanced. Talk about them when you sit at home, 
and when you're walking along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. We don't have anything else to read. We don't have anything else to think about. Our head needs to be occupied with this world, the word of God. First thing we do in the morning. That way our head meditates on His word. That is how we evaluate, evaluate our lives. You know, when we don't read His word and get to evaluate what God has done for us and through us during the day, and we don't read and, and make it a, I will die and I will not go to sleep without reading. If we don't do that, our head goes into dreamy, dreamy land. Exactly. You lose your vision. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. People need to see that the world is changing our lives. Amen. This Amen. is how we shine God's light to the nations. Amen. It is not about us. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. People need to know when they come to your house, there's a standard. Amen. They don't meet that standard, go home. I'm not here talking to you as somebody that's already attained all this. I'm talking to you here because this is what I want for myself. Amen. And I'm talking to you guys because you're my brothers, you're my sisters. You're the ones that's responsible to hold me to this standard. Amen. I expect you all, when you see me slacking off, smack me. I got you all <laughs> But know that I will do the same for you. We really want to, I wouldn't say challenge you. I want to say invite you today to meet our Father. Ask Him, do we have something in our heart that you don't want there? Do you have, do we have something that we hold on because we think that without it, we cannot survive? Do we have something that cuts us off from His vision for our lives? This is not something that you should meditate on and think about. This is something that we all need to, as soon as we start worshiping, as soon as we start praying, come down here and assess it. Because it also says in, De in Deuteronomy that these words is not just idle words. They are your lives. We want to close with Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11. And you all say, only one God when you're there.
The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. You know, this is coming from Solomon, right? The wise king. Solomon's life didn't end so well. Solomon knew these things. The first thing he asked the Lord for was for wisdom to be able to lead his people. But it says in 1 Kings 12 that his heart was turned away to other gods. He knew this. He's speaking this. He wrote it down. He recorded it. And we read it and we go to it. But yet his life showed that what he knew was not put into practice. Verse 12 says, now, uh, 13, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Really, family, do it. Because when it all boils down, nothing else does matter. Nothing else matters. The posture of our heart is what pleases God. And if there's an area that you can think of, that you're praying, that you're hearing, that you see in the world that makes a distance between where your heart is and where the standard of the world is, if there is something like that, we all need to come down to the altar. And God will show us how to close that gap. Because he is a faithful God. He never lets us down. He wants to restore us back to his image. Remember Genesis? We are created in his image. And he promised to restore us back to his image. But the only way to do it is to cut everything that is not God from our hearts. Because at the end of the day, it's not our heart. It's his heart. Thank you. Um, Megan, would you put Ezekiel eleven nineteen on the screen for us? <clears throat> so we are 17 days or so past the end of the one association meeting. 17. See, it may be interesting to you to, to hear our brothers share this word tonight. but it was probably less than 17 days from the time that they had received those words. Don't put anything in my face. Boy, isn't that a great translation? Don't you like that? Don't you put another God in my face before me, beside me. A few days later, Moses goes back up on the mountain and because they're having to wait too long, they're like, this fellow Who's this fellow, Moses? We don't know if he's coming back to us or not. 
That's not just because they were a nation somewhere far off. It's because they were human beings and they act just like we do. In a matter of 17 days, we can begin to have parts of our heart that are divided. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them an undivided heart. I think these men absolutely hit it right, hit the nail right on the head. See, what we are trying to do tonight is I feel like the Lord is beckoning to us. He could hammer us. He could annihilate us. But we have a father who's beckoning to us tonight and saying, I want to give you an undivided heart. Did you hear that tonight when, when they're saying, hey, if you're looking for comfort, if you're looking for security, that's probably the next place where your idol will form is where you're trying to find, where you're trying to alleviate the pain, where you're trying to alleviate the sacrifice because we're already supposed to have given our lives. See, what I know as your pastor is there are undivided hearts here. There are divided hearts that need to become undivided hearts. Would you also put up um, Psalm 8611? If he's going to give us an undivided heart and put a new spirit within us. See, the way that he does it is to teach us his ways. That we might rely on his faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart. We're not asking you to try harder tonight. We're asking you to go to him and let him replace your divided heart with something that's undivided. Mighty God, we pray to you right now. We're asking that you move upon us now, Lord. Show us the areas where we have divided ourselves from you. When we have divided ourselves from you, we lose all vision. We cast off restraint. We make ourselves a laughing stock. Lord, I know, I know that we need to have an undivided heart, Lord. But I also know that we can't do that on our own. That we must have you to come in yet again, Lord. You are beckoning your people here to have an undivided heart before you. Because anything less than an undivided heart is idolatry. Help us. Lord, we want to rid ourselves. We need you to rid us of our idolatrous thoughts. Where we decide that our way is more important than yours no matter what we say here at this altar. Lord, we want an undivided heart. Give us an undivided heart, Lord. We need a new spirit. We need a new heart tonight, Lord. Lord, that you will move upon us. Lord, that we might not be divided by the things that we are seeking our own comfort, our own security, our own thoughts, our own ways, when you're saying there can be nothing else but you. There's no other room on the scale for anything but you. Give us an undivided heart tonight is our prayer, O Lord. Lord, we can't do this on our own. We cannot give ourselves an undivided heart. It's idolatrous for us to think that we can Lord, we're asking for you to come in. 
Give us an undivided heart. Give us a new spirit, Lord, that we might be able to fulfill Your will. That we might be able to do what You have commanded. That we might take Your words that are in our mouth and in our heart and actually do them in our lives, Lord. Help us now in Jesus' name.